football on off the ball. Some people's missed is far more red than others. Yeah, shout out to Danny anyway. It might not have been him, but he's definitely someone that you'd have to try and follow along with. But his red mist was a lot thicker than others anyway. Join in the obsession. Subscribe now at offtheball.com forward slash join. The Koi Gig Pod on Off The Ball in association with Cadbury, official snack partner of the Republic of Ireland women's national team. Katie McCabe, a huge, huge goal. Very proud of the team's performance. We're going to go out there to beat them. We're going to try and beat them. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Koi Gig Podcast. Cafe McNamee here and unfortunately we don't have any Karen Duggan this week. Uh, We gave her the week off after Piedmont successfully won their third title in the league uh, making them one of the most successful teams and James, their manager, one of the successful, most successful managers in the entire league. So uh, we said we would let Karen enjoy herself because it's been a long hard season and uh, they have certainly put a lot into it but I am joined by former Ireland and Arsenal legend Emma Byrne so we can praise Karen while she's not here and also talk about everything else that is happening around the world. Emma how are you? I'm good. I am very well in a nice warm house, unlike you, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for anyone who's listening to us on podcast and can't see me right now, I'm wearing a big massive beanie because the heating is broken in my house, which is great news. But Storm is it Debbie that's attacking Dublin at the moment. Um yeah, I will very much once we finish recording this, I will be going straight back up to my bed and just like wrapping myself in a duvet. I was saying to our producer Catherine before we started, like she was fortunate that I didn't come down in the duvet. Maybe I should have just committed to it and gone for the whole thing. But yeah, hopefully we get that fixed soon because it's not not an ideal time not to have heating. <laughs> no, I just say I'm roasting and I'm also sitting beside the radiator for anybody who can't see me. So extra hot. I'm going to be like sweating buckets here, the opposite of Kathleen. Yeah, you just like rubbing it in for me, Emma. Um, so as I said, we don't have Karen this week, but we should pay tribute to her because she has put in the slog this season. And I don't know if you saw some of the photos of her celebrating and stuff afterwards, um, just on the pitch with all the other P-Mount ones, but they looked so delighted with themselves. And rightly they should, because everyone had written them off at the start of the season. They came in, won it with a couple of goals games to spare I did text her on Saturday and kind of say you know you didn't have to hammer Sligo Rovers and hurt my heart in that way you could have just like <laughs> wait a minute wait a minute why are we giving her the evening off again um because she had a lot of fun celebrating and uh she wanted to continue the celebrations into really? the Monday club. oh really I, I want to know who signed off on that because I certainly wouldn't have agreed to that <laughs> Work hard and you play hard, as Roy Keane says. Get yourself on this podcast, Karen. I'm sure she will definitely be listening first thing tomorrow morning when we (laughs) drop on Tuesday and she will be absolutely sending us messages, apologising massively. (laughs) But yeah, no, it is a big deal to win a league and to do it in the fashion that they did. Obviously, you have experience of it in different situations. What's it like when you get to like that end of the season and you can kind of take a breath, I suppose? Um, yeah, it's like, it's just such a relief <laughs> because you're throughout the season, you're like literally so well behaved. Uh, you're missing so much stuff going on, whether it's 
like birthday parties, communions, Christmas, you always miss the parties during the year. Very selfish people have them during the, the football season. <laughs> and then when when you know it's the end, you know you can let your hair down a little bit and that release is massive, I have to say. Yeah, especially like the way Piment won the league. They weren't expecting to. It was kind of a little bit of a... A situation the way players had left and everybody was expecting them to just fall apart. Then, of course, they went and won the league. That would be the equivalent of us at Arsenal winning the Champions League that time. Um, like no one expects us to do it. So when we did it, we we certainly partied hard. But I don't think I ever missed any work obligations. <laughs> I really- carried on. I would have just carried on with that. So, yeah. Well, I said to her that, you know, she could have come on. We all would have happily joined in on the celebrations. What else would one be doing of a Monday evening apart from having a bit of a party? But uh, yeah, hopefully she's enjoying it anyways and it's worthwhile. We won't, we'll give her a bit of grief next week when she comes back. Although actually I won't be here next week either. So you'll have to <laughs> have some fun with that yourself, Emma. Um, In terms of different things that happened this weekend, we also had the wrap-up of the NWSL, Sinead Farley winning that with Gotham. Another pretty remarkable story when you consider the fact that they came last in the league last year, had one of the worst records ever in league history. And then it just seemed to be that the team, especially when it got to the playoff stage and with Ali Krieger retiring, that they just found this sense of energy and every game that they went out, they were passionately playing, particularly for her. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a different approach to a league and how they get to that final point. Um, it's not not necessarily the most consistent team either. It, it, it does end up being a bit of just of a cup tie. Um, but yeah, I think with Gotham, I think, well, they, they signed a couple of players, didn't they? And that always takes, they say it takes a player nearly a season to to settle in and to find their their feet, um, and I think with Esther Gonzalez, that's exactly what happened because, you know, she left La Liga. She was she wasn't getting her game at all um, for Real Madrid, like literally on the bench every game, and then coming in some cup games or whatever. So when she left, she was also trying to pick up the pace and the momentum and trying to find her fitness levels again. So it took her a little bit of time, but. I I just think she's been a great addition to that team and, you know, scoring that header as well. Obviously, that's going to be credit to her. Um, And yeah, just take that time. And, you know, if you sign more than two players, starting players as well, it does take a little bit of time. But I think they were the best team on the day, personally. Yeah, I saw some interesting comments from her earlier today. I don't know, was it in light of the celebrations and stuff or was it from beforehand? But she was kind of comparing the NWSL and La Liga and saying that it felt like there was more jeopardy in playing in America than there was in Spain because of the dominance of Barcelona. And because of that, she felt like it was more similar to Champions League football. And I assume that must be a reference to like the playoffs and the way that they work, you know, in the sense that there is actually a a knockout round after the regular season. But I thought it was interesting commentary from her saying about the competitiveness compared to playing in Spain. Yeah, I mean, the the league in Spain is not very competitive, um, unfortunately. And for for a country that holds the World Cup and the the Champions League and the best players in the world. 
they all happen to be playing for the same team though. So obviously it's not going to be that competitive. And But that would make me want to stay and play more than anything. If there were a team in in my league that were winning everything, I'd be like, no, I'm I'm not going anywhere till we beat these or till we knock these off off that perch. But um I think the American League is more competitive. I do think that. So I'd agree with her in that. But there's no league like the WSL. The WSL is the best league in the world. So if you're talking about competitiveness, playing at the best level, then you should be looking at um playing in the WSL. Definitely. Um, and I mean, we saw it at the weekend. There were some really interesting games, some big score lines, which we haven't seen a massive amount this season, but uh, definitely some interesting games in there too. I know neither of us probably want to acknowledge that it's happening, but the Champions League group stages are coming back. <laughs> Who is your tip to do something interesting in this Champions League season, considering the fact that we are going into it without the likes of Arsenal and Wolfsburg? And that's not me going full Jonas Adevel on it and saying that, or Mark Skinner and saying that you know there was a, a right a divine right to be there um well it's it's just it's very strange for me there's certainly a little bit less little bit less interest for me now that Arsenal are out of it I have to say um also Wolfsburg is I find them a little bit I don't want to say boring because <laughs> um, they're not boring, but I do find a little bit monotonous how they play. So I'm kind of glad to see that they won't be in the final because for me, if I found like Barca are going to be in the final, that's fairly obvious. Um, and I want them to play uh, a different team than Wolfsburg because I don't want to see that final again. <laughs> and I want to see two teams going for it. Um but in general, I I just think it's going to be a bit of a whitewash for Barca again, being honest. Um, apart from that, I mean, PSG looked quite good against United, I have to say. But it's hard to pitch these teams early on because the, the French teams always just do whatever is enough. And then they just either flop completely or completely excel. If a French, if PSG get to the final, I think they have a very good chance of of being competitive against Barca. I still think Barca are going to win, but if any team can take it from them, I think it's going to be PSG. Interesting, not Leon. I don't see it. I don't see it. Just judging by the the games that they've been playing, they've been doing really, really well. Like they're still a, an absolutely awesome team, and and Hegerberg's coming back into her form as well. So maybe, yeah, maybe by the time that the semi court fight semi finals come around, they'll have hit their mark. Um, I haven't seen enough of them, being honest. I've seen more PSG and they look very, very dangerous. Mm. Well, we will be watching with interest. Those games are all free to stream still, so anyone can watch them during the week. Um, coming up next, we will have Emma Carroll on with her team of the week. And then after that, we will be doing some WSL analysis. The Koi Gig Pod on Off the Ball is brought to you by Cabri, official stack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. Now we are joined by Emma Carroll, who has very kindly brought us another edition of her Team of the Week. Emma, how did you find it this week? I was saying at the start of the show that there was a few kind of bigger results that maybe we've seen in other weeks. Bigger results, but awful kickoff times. (laughs) Awful kickoff times. 12 o'clock, half 12, two one o'clock and a two o'clock. That's just ridiculous. Like, who's going to watch all those? Anyway, I tried. Yesterday was very intense. (laughs) 
I try. Don't, don't you start complaining about kickoff times. You and Mark Skinner complain <laughs> together. <laughs> you can have a little moan together. <laughs> it's it's not on the player's behalf for me. It's just being able to actually watch them. <laughs> <laughs> you don't care about them. No, they can uh, play at 11 o'clock at night. Who cares? Spread them out a bit more. Um, I went yeah, I was- with... <laughs> Fortunately enough to be on a train for five hours, which I felt like eased the pain of the kickoff times a little bit more. But um, yeah, Emma, you go ahead with your team there. Bagley in goal, um, Bonner at the back with the two turners, Millie and Dan. And then we've got Paris, Cuthbert, Toon and Bremer. And a front three of Salmon, Palova and Russo. Very nice, very nice. It's nice seeing Ebony Salmon doing well. Um, I watched quite a lot of her when she was over in the NWSL and before she left and I've always thought that she had a really exciting career so it's good to see her getting the opportunity to score at the weekend. Emma, what did you think of that team, Emma Byrne? Decent, decent. Yeah, I thought, well, just going from goalkeeper, Bagley deserves to be in there. She's just, I mean, she didn't make any crazy saves. Um, Literally everything was just down her throat but she does deserve to be in there just for keeping a clean sheet against City. Um, and then just going to defenders, I think I would have put Guru Bergsvand in there as well for Brighton. I thought she was excellent, especially against Bunny Shaw. I thought she was brilliant against her. Um, it was literally two very big, strong players against <laughs> each other. And I thought Bergsvand won that battle, which we don't see much of. Uh, so I thought she might have deserved uh, to be in there, especially considering what the start of the season, the whole back three had of of Brighton. I think they've just improved incredibly. So I would have put her in there a little, maybe I would have thought about that. Um, am, am I allowed to pick Vicky? No, I'm not. Okay, so I'll ignore that. Um, visit? For I Spur- didn't think of her as well, though, to be honest. Stay <laughs> <laughs> on for me. Yeah. Um, visit I thought was brilliant you're an outpicker with a little asterisk we'll just put a little asterisk at the top and uh, you can say exactly why you want him he's just going to have to work harder for that he has to work easier (laughs) for us to pick her yeah I I thought visit did really well for Spurs I thought she was really good she comes in and out maybe not as consistent as as she should be because she can be a very very good player so for me why not every week but I thought she was excellent um I also thought Zigiotti for, for Brighton was very good. Uh, I thought she worked very hard. But Palova, for me, was star of the show this week. I thought she was yeah. absolutely excellent. Absolutely brilliant. And standout player for me. For for somebody who I don't think has been a standout player, I thought she definitely um, stood out yesterday. She created everything. Because that first half, Arsenal were just terrible. And I was like how like to be missing little and Walty like god just <laughs> you could see that they were clearly missing them but whatever happened at half time Palova just came out and she just created so much I think did they have 20 attempts on goal or something in the end something crazy something like crazy in the end and I think most of them went through her so I think she just created everything it was really good to see yeah, she was she was brilliant. She was excellent. First half and second second half particularly. Yeah, yeah. Twenty four shots, twelve on target for Arsenal. That's over the course of the full game. So, yeah, you can see even the Arsenal fans last night were very much picking Pulova out as their number one player of the match. Um, I haven't. I feel like before she came, I'd seen more glimpses of what she's capable of. 
love. And I think we saw a bit more of that yesterday in the game. And it'd be great if that became more consistent because I think she does offer something really interesting for Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, I've seen her play more in more wide areas with, with the Dutch team and she's been really good, but just kind of a good player in a good team, like not the standout, like Lika Martins. But I think when she plays in that central area, that attacking midfield area, it's where she she should be playing, really. And I also think she had a lot of space in there. That was, you know, Kate, she came into the game. There was so much space in there for her to exploit. So I'm not saying we're going to see that performance from her again against a different team. But the thing is, once you put a, a player for player, if you have, if you're playing against players that can beat you in a 1v1, which Palova was doing all the time, um, it's going to be very difficult to recover. So yeah, it just was a game that really suited her. Standout player. Was there anyone, Emma Carroll, that you felt like you were upset about leaving out or that you found particularly difficult to leave out? Um, Bizet was probably which who we've already t- spoke about was probably the other person on my list really to be honest um, I thought Mary Fowler was okay as well she's really starting to come into herself this season getting more regular game time which is good to see as well um, really but- she, she's, she's such a good player she's got some of the best turns and touches in the game like to see her a bit more aggressive she's nearly too sharing with the ball <laughs> I'd like to see her stay on it a little bit more and be a little bit more creative. Good player, though. That's something that came up a lot with the Australian journalists during the World Cup. Um, I think it was in the warm-up game initially and then in a couple of other games, they were a little bit frustrated that she wasn't kind of, as you say, being a bit more aggressive, a bit more possessive of the ball, a bit more selfish on it, was kind of happier to pass it off. And... I don't know, sometimes it felt like watching her that it was as much being a younger player and having the confidence to go. Because like, we've talked about it before on the podcast so many times about how she wasn't really getting that game time in her club. So to come in, it's going to take, I suppose, a little bit of a while to develop that sort of talent in that side of things. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it it does depend on personalities as well. And she is quite a laid back person. She, don't get me wrong. She's very motivated to succeed, but she'd still be like, oh, you know, I'm young. I'm still young. I'm still learning. I'm Whereas the English league will knock that out of her. So she's you can see her improving already, but that will her her. Her aggressiveness will change a little bit in the English league because she's going to come up against the likes of Katie McCabe and, you know, aggressive players that are going to try and uh, put her off her game, let's just say. (laughs) So, yeah, I think I think this time next year, I think she's going to be one of the best players in the league. Definitely. Oh, easily. Like she has all the qualities to really succeed. And especially if she does get that more regular game time, because I feel like she is the sort of character that needs that regular game time to get into her flow. Um, Emma, in terms of all the performances that you saw over the weekend and just in terms of the general clubs, who was it that impressed you the most? Well, Arsenal's turnaround was really something, but you can't like... Brighton getting a win away to City. That's a big, big win. Um, Villa getting their first win of the season. But I think Brighton away to City, getting a win like that, keeping a clean sheet and just grabbing the goal when you get the opportunity at the end. Um, 
yeah, like probably resulted a weekend really. Yeah, actually, now that you mentioned uh, Brighton, a good shout there would have been the the substitute who who came on, Liga Min. I thought she was excellent when she came on, the the goal scorer. Scored the goal, yeah. But not just the goal, I thought she was brilliant. And she she was brilliant against United as well when she came on. She's so good. She's such a good player. Don't think you can get 90 minutes out of her, unfortunately, but uh, definitely a fantastic player to, to either start and come off or come off the bench. Well, Emma, thank you very much for joining us and for being committed to the team of the week. Despite the terrible kickoff times, we will write a formal <laughs> complaint to the FA on your behalf. Uh, and not not just because of the players' welfare, for your own personal welfare, that is it. And <laughs> um, thank you very much. And we will chat to you again next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Now we will turn our attention to the games as a whole. And I think it's a good place to start. We kind of finished up a little bit with it there. Brighton and Manchester City. Um, absolutely massive upset there. Manchester City losing 1-0, as we said. Lee Gunman, the scorer, she came on as a substitute. I think it's the first time that Brighton have ever managed a win against City. I think they've had draws in the past, but never actually a win. What was it that Brighton got so right against this like relatively informed City team? Uh, there was a lot of luck to do with it. But I think what Brighton have done, they have kind of reformed themselves a little bit. They are very focused on their defensive shape. And I think they now realise that they are going to be defending for a lot of, of the time. So Melissa Phillips initially was wanted to, to, to play out from the back and keep a possession style uh, team. But then there's some times where you just have to think about getting results. And I think that's what Phillips has done. She's just thought, okay, we need to get better in defense. Perhaps we can catch teams on the counter, but we have to think about gaps and closing those gaps. And we still want to press high, but we want to be very, very compact. And it, it's definitely worked. We've seen it. They see, you've seen it against United. And you've seen it against City. Okay, you would definitely have a look at City and the chances that they had and, and squandered. But if you look back at the game, a lot, most 90% of the chances they had and missed or miskicked was because of the pressure that the Brighton defence put on them. So credit to Brighton there, more than more than attacking woes to, to City. Um, and then, I mean, you talk about the goal. We just spoke about Lee coming off the bench um, and she just brings something different. You know, they do change formation when Lee comes off the bench and she tends to play in that number 10 role. Um, and they kind of go kind of like a 4-4-2 type of thing. But mm. I just think... It's brilliant because they can play through the center, which they don't, they, they struggle to do in different formations. And it just changes up things for them. And you can see the change when she comes on. So yeah, really good for them. And then just to nick the goal. I mean, that was the icing on the cake, wasn't it? The, the, the draw would have been brilliant result for them, which I think they were hoping, oh, yeah. praying for in the last 15 minutes or the, the whole game really. <laughs> And I think, yeah, just that girl. I was very happy for Lee because she is a, she's a big character as well. And you know, she was at City as well. Didn't mm. have a great time there, so it was there was a lot of emotions going on yesterday. 
a little bit of a revenge tour for her getting that goal. Yeah, it's in terms of you talked there about like City having a lot of chances. Like I think they had over thirty shots on goal. And I think like maybe half of those were on target. And we know that they have players there who can score. You know, you look at Bonnie Shaw or even the likes of Gerard who's come in and got a couple of goals this season. Is that the sort of thing that would concern um, Gareth Taylor at this stage of the season going up against a team against Brighton who they technically would have been expected to beat? Or is it just that Brighton got a system that totally was able to kind of disarm those really good shooters in the front? No, it is concerning. I mean, they should be beating Brighton. And you definitely, if I were their manager, I'd be going through my team. I wouldn't be going through Brighton's team. And the fact, but I don't understand why he didn't change Bunny Shaw's movements. Right from the beginning, she was dropping in. And I know she tends to do that sometimes, but she was doing it all the time and it wasn't working because Guru was following her in and, and she was she was winning those battles. Funny Shaw couldn't turn. She might have been able to lay off, but she was she wasn't able to get in the box after those layoffs. So it was working. So after 10, 15 minutes, if that's happened seven, eight times, I'm gonna tell her, okay. Stop that. You're staying up and stay high. I don't want you dropping in at all. And then that will allow the likes of Roar to have that space in there. And you're just basically telling your wingers, get the ball in the box for Bunny because it was a game for it in the end. There was, he took her off and then there were so many balls getting fired into the box, but there was nobody there. Can you imagine having Bunny shot in those areas at those moments? Like, it yeah. was a very strange thing for me to see her, number one, still dropping in deep, and number two, coming off. I was like, okay, that's a strange thing. And actually, you could nearly see the relief in in the defense, in Brighton's defense when she was taken off because she's a complete handful. Keep her on, change the, the tack to keep her high in that nine and ask your players to get early balls into that box. Sometimes I feel like they nearly overplay or take too many touches to make those decisions to get the ball in. Well, how many times have we heard players say this season that like not only does she score a lot, she's just impossible to like keep track of and she's awful to play against and she has that physicality, the speed, the technical ability, like everything that she needs. So yeah, I was really surprised at that decision from Gareth Taylor and I kind of thought that he would have I don't know. He he swapped his team around so much over the years that I would have felt at this stage he'd have a better grasp and handling of what he needs to do tactically in game to get a win against a team like Brighton because, you know, these games do matter massively in the fact that it's such a short season. I mean, we're six games in already, but like it's only a 22 game season. Like we say it, we've been saying it all last season and at the start of the season, I was buzzing to see City actually playing how they should be playing and looked like a consistent couple of games that he was keeping. I was like, yes, this is it. This is is City's year. And then it changes. The team changes. The the fullbacks change. I'm thinking, oh God, here we go again. And the fact is, there's something going on with the goalkeeper. So that cannot be very settling for the team. It, there's, you know, for a back four, back whatever, back three or back four you're playing in, you need to be playing with a consistent goalkeeper as well. And, you know, a, an experienced one. And also you make decisions like 
Bunny Shaw, I want you to drop in. Okay, that's not working. I'm going to take you off. No. Okay, I'm going to keep you up high. And if you are going to drop in, who's running in behind her? No, there was nobody running in behind her. There was no space. They didn't stretch Brighton at all. And actually the ball in behind was on so many times. I don't understand how teams don't see that quickly. Just to stretch the game a little bit, just you don't have to find success out of the first one or two, but you are going to find space in between those defensive low blocks once they drop off. And then, of course, you've got Leilu Habi sitting on the bench, who, who is a natural left back and a very, very good one and a very good attacking left back. And he brings on uh, the, the Dutch girl, I can't think of her name now, uh, who's a right back. Yeah. So it's um it's a strange one. Some strange ones. There's some decisions going on there that is a is a bit strange. And you're not winning. So of course they're going yeah. to be scrutinized. It was um Kasperi, Kasper, wasn't it, that he brought on? Kasper, yeah. yeah. Kasper. Um yeah, well, once again, the history of Gareth Taylor continues. Uh I'm still slightly surprised that he is at the club, not because of this season, but just because of previous seasons and how we keep seeing the same patterns. But uh great win for Brighton. I'm sure there was a very happy household <laughs> over with you over that one. Um, in terms of other results that were just a bit chaotic, if you'd seen, you know, Arsenal six, Leicester two as a full-time score, you'd be like, okay, yeah, not great that Arsenal conceded two goals, but standard enough affair. But with the way Arsenal started, that first half conceding the two goals, coming back into a Pulova having the game that she did, Katie starting on the right. Like it was just, there was a lot happening. <laughs> it was, um, it was a really, really poor first half performance for Marcel. And it's, it hurts, it hurts me to see this because they've such good players and you just don't want to see it. But you know, again, some strange positioning going on there. I find it a little bit strange. And, you know, these teams get away with it and they could get away with it. They can get away with it all season. They can. Mm -hmm. And I always said it about Barca, working with Barca, that they just play week in, week out. They can be winning five, six nil. And I'm thinking when they go to Champions League, it's going to be different. It's going to be different because they're going to get found out in those weak spots. Um, And then they improve those weak spots. So there's literally nowhere to get at them. But Arsenal do have weak spots and... You can see how teams exploit them. Yeah, with Arsenal, we haven't really got to the point where we know what that starting team is. Do you think that part of that is because of the injuries that they've had, in particular around that midfield defensive area? But like stuff like Leo Williamson, like we've known going into the season that that injury is going to be there. Do you think that in some ways that has panicked Idabel a little bit and he doesn't know what to do now? Or, and, I know we've talked before about just general in-game management from him and the decisions that he makes. It's always an interesting (laughs) one to watch because there's not a whole lot of consistency there. No, it's, I I do think it is injury driven. Like there's even the back line, you've got Jen Beatty coming in, starting, then getting injured. Of course, Leah's been out. So obviously she could go in there or central midfield. Like, yeah, of course it's going to take. Catley was injured for a while. Um, But it just, 
it does surprise me some of the decisions he makes. And of course, it's going to get even worse for him or better, depends on how you want to look at it. But uh, Viv, Viviana Miedema's back. Beth Mead is back. Like at the moment, they're on the bench, but soon they'll be like, okay, I've, I've come on now for after five games, it's time for me to start. And it's, it's going to be a big problem for him dropping some players and trying to get those players in because they're not going to be happy sitting on the bench. No way. And if they don't tie up, especially Miedema, if she doesn't tie up the, the contract situation um, before January, February, um, we might see her on the bench for the rest of the season because you know he's not going to play her if she doesn't want to stay either. So um, Arsenal's definitely going to be a very interesting one. I would love to know what his top 11 would be without injuries. Mm. I'd love to know that. Yeah, it would be very interesting because we kind of had similar conversations at the start of last season, like before the injuries to the likes of, you know, Beth Mead, Viv Media, uh, Kim Little towards the end, where a lot of the teams he was putting out, he was forced into being put out. But there was obviously the whole discussion around like Frida Manum, where does she play? You know, Black Stenius, where does she play? And he hasn't really had to answer those because of the injuries. But as you say, teams are coming or players are coming back into the team now. So we will be able to see a little bit more. And they don't have the excuse of Champions League football to say that there is any distractions for them. And um, in terms of some of the other games, we had a couple of questions come in from our listeners. So Mark Coates was wondering why Izzy Atkinson isn't getting on earlier in West Ham's games. That is a very good question because I think she does really well when she comes on. Um, you're going to have to ask Rianne Skinner that question. <laughs> I will. I'll ask her when I see her next. Um, no, it's, it's yeah, it's a strange one because actually I've spoken to a couple of managers in the league and just, you know, her name has come up and they've said that they were very, they were interested in her and that they're keeping an eye on her and that when she comes on, they're very impressed with her. So I think it's just a matter of time, really. I think after a game like that at the weekend for West Ham, you know, losing 5-0, it's a great opportunity for them to put on the likes of Izzy and Jess Zoo is back also. So it'd be great to see her get more game time. Um, but yeah, I think it's time for her now and she should be knocking on the manager's door. Yeah, definitely. Um, she's the one name that has come up out of the Irish contingent beyond, you know, obviously Katie or Courtney, who are fairly well established that a lot of people have been impressed with this uh, season. He also asked like Tottenham look good this season, whereas West Ham, not so much. What do you think about Skinner as a coach? Um, I think, I think she's very, she's a very detailed coach. Um, and I think this league is extremely difficult and it doesn't matter whether you're talking about Rianne Skinner, Mark Skinner, Adevel, Taylor. Yeah, like you love the coaches on this podcast in general. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can look at look at the coaches. There'll always be something that you'll do different. Always. Like that's why we love football and there'll always be decisions that you would have made differently. Um. And I think it's an extremely difficult league and one that if you stay up, if you're the likes of West Ham, if you're the likes of Aston Villa, 
I think you're doing well just to stay up, to be quite honest, because it's gone. Even from last season, it's changed. Mm-hmm. Like no team is going to give you an easy game. There is def- no definite three points from anyone. And that is a huge difference even from last year. Like even the teams like, uh, well, like Brighton, for example, I'd go into that game last season and I think, okay, this is a three-pointer for us. We still need to do our jobs, but still a three-pointer. Not this season, no. It's impossible. You still have to play well. So I think it's it's difficult for the managers. And especially if, if this is your first season in with the team, you you you're just getting to know your players. Yes, you can bring in a couple, but you are also stuck with some players that you wouldn't have signed yourself. So I think Rianne is doing an okay job. And I think you can tell in the second season. Second season's when it's make or break for mm. managers. Yeah, so you have time to sell with the squad and you've also had the opportunity to have a transfer window or two, depending on when you come in and, you know, get the sort of players that you want or at least start getting the players that you want and building the system that you want. Hopefully, as I said, that we will see a bit more of Izzy Atkinson um, in the club jersey because obviously it only benefits her when she comes back to Ireland and plays for us. And Jesse, Jesse Stapleton there as well. It'd be nice to see her get some game time, but it is, it's difficult because they are obviously all still quite young as well going into that squad. And um, we also had a question in from Maria, just witness history. I assume that's something to do with the World Cup because her profile picture is of Katie, I think, or is it Carusa? Uh, overall thoughts on Brosnan's performance versus Chelsea. I think she did well. There's absolutely nothing she could have done about the the two goals uh, or the three goals. I don't think she could have done to, done much about the, it. Um, also, a, a keeper that is finding confidence because you know she was not a starting keeper, so she she still needs to find that. We're, we still have to see the best from Courtney. Hmm. I don't think she could have done anything about the goals. I think she did absolutely fine. Um, unlike um, the last game against United, for example, we, we could have spoken a, about a couple of those goals. But no, Chelsea, Chelsea were just, you know, they just hit their form. And I thought um, they, you know, Sam Kerr was absolutely excellent as well. So no, no faults for Courtney this time. And again, a, a goalkeeper that needs confidence and is absolutely excellent. For I've seen her train now and I've seen how she is. And she's she's a fantastic keeper. Mm. Well, we've been big fans of her on the podcast for a long time at this stage. And also always just someone who's very nice to talk to. Such a genuine person. I love when she I chatted to her during the World Cup and I was like, what do you do, you know, on the day of a match? What are you doing? And she's like, I just like to go have a coffee and read my book and, you know, just chill out and kind of get my head in the right place. And I was like, You're, you sound like my kind of gal. I feel like we would get along very well. And um, you did mention about the <laughs> Conti Cup fixtures that were on last week there briefly. And obviously Everton lost 7-0 to United on Thursday. It was the comments from Brian Sorensen afterwards were kind of interesting because he was saying that, you know, they don't have the players, so they have to rest some players and we saw that like um, Heather Payne obviously didn't start that much. She did come on. Courtney didn't start that much. It was Emmy Ramsey instead. But I understand it with the outfield players. But if you do have a goalkeeper and you are trying to build up their confidence and their minutes, is playing those sort of games not important as well?
Um, no, not really. Not when you've got two keepers that you're trying to keep happy. <laughs> and he brought in Emily Ramsey and Emily Ramsey probably expected to play. Mm. Um, so she will get the cup games. And I think that's, that's rightly, I think that's only fair to be quite honest. And there are enough league games and other games going on for, for Courtney, to be quite honest, if she is her, the first choice now. So, um, no, I, I don't think so. I don't think that she needs to play every single game and especially not against a team like, I actually feel a little bit sorry for the other goalkeepers because they're always put in cup games and they're put in with players who are looking for minutes as well. So basically not the first choice. So you're constantly trying to prove yourself and you're not playing with probably this, the strongest players available either. So it's it's a real difficult one for them especially against a, a big club like United. Yeah, the comments that he said kind of seemed to almost be like admitting defeat before the match even started, which I can understand to a certain extent, but I don't know what I have been as open about it, I suppose, publicly, because I don't know how much that does do for maybe the players that are getting the minutes and trying to motivate them to possibly, you know, you, you never know in a cup, a team can go on a cup run very easily. Um, a big result for Aston Villa against Bristol City, one that they desperately needed picking up their first points of the season. And considering the fact that Bristol are the team that most people are looking at as a possible relegation contender, this is kind of, it's like the Birmingham Leicester of <laughs> earlier years that we've talked about. And um, what did you see from Aston Villa that impressed you or was there anything? Enza Dali. For one makes a huge difference. difference. Like basically, basically, yeah. Um, I think you know, Carla Ward needs to find out what her best defensive lineup is. Also, so I think she's kind of juggling with that as well. But the, the main difference was um, Kenza Dali, hundred percent. You know, for her first game back as well, uh, I thought she did excellent. And again, a player that's gonna get better and better get when, as soon as she gets her fitness. But basically, yeah, and you can see, you know, Rachel Daly, she's able to stay higher up to the pitch a little bit more when Ken's is there. So, yeah, basically just that, Ken's a Daly. I did kind of expect that to be your answer, and I did think it was kind of funny how quickly we saw an improvement in Aston Villa whenever she came on. But, like, that's going to be concerning for Carla Ward and Aston Villa in general too, because if she gets another injury or is out for another little while, they're going to have a problem on their hands again. Like, is that the sort of situation where, because obviously they haven't been able to find a system in the time that she's been gone that works effectively for her, for them. So is it a case of like, do they need to start looking for maybe a player who is of a similar level or someone who can come in and play that role that they need or is it just a case of working harder? They need, they need a midfielder. They need another midfielder, 100%. And I think you they will bring one in in the, the January window, 100%. But I also think there is nothing wrong with going back to what you do well, which is low blocks and counter-attack in football. Like they, they did it really well. Last season, you saw what they did to City the first game of the season. That's from just sitting in, being defensive, and then catching them on the counter. They're so good at it. Like if Ken's is not in my team, even though 
<laughs> she was great in the counter as well. If she's not in my team, I know I don't have that in midfield. So I'm like, we're going to bypass midfield. Let's pretend we don't even have any. We're going to defend and we're going to just ping it forward. And and I would have done that. Um, but it's, again, it's the league. It's so difficult. Like you, you make those little mistakes and you're you're at the bottom of the table. Um, but she's back and she makes a big difference. Yeah, no, she definitely does. And I'm pretty sure there will be a sigh of relief around the Aston Villa changing room and also <laughs> um, Carla Ward's managerial office as well, that she is back and that she did make the impact that she did. We talked about it last week, like Carla Ward did seem to massively have the support of both the fans and the team, it, even though it was a rough period. But you always are not unsure how long that is going to last. Like it can change very quickly. Kind of seen it in the men's game the last week with Spurs and Postacoglu. He was God's gift to man. And now all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, he's a fraud. He's a fraud. Um, And then one of the only other games that we haven't really touched on at all was Tottenham-Liverpool. So that was a 1-1 draw. It was a relatively, like it wasn't sort of a game where you're like, there's anything exceptional that came out of this or anything major I thought, but I don't know, did you pick up anything interesting? No, two very, very similar teams. Two very similar teams basically battling it out. I did think Spurs were the better team on the day. And I think they'll be more disappointed to come away without the three points. But um, in general, I think they're very, very similar, similar standard, what I mean. Um, and I thought Sophie Hogg was very good. Mm-hmm. I thought Van der Sanden, Van der Sanden, Van der Sanden, <laughs> is that her name? Van der Sanden. <laughs> Van der Sanden, I'm thinking of Lynn. Anderson, um, I thought she was good when she came on another player that they missed when she's not fit, which she hasn't been fit for a good while. Um, I think Liverpool have more holes in their team that uh, you could have a go at than Spurs. That's why I think Spurs probably deserve more. And I think Spurs will kick on. And obviously they're missing a very, very important player in, in their striker. So um I think I think when she comes when Bethany England comes back into that frame, they're gonna be a different team. And I think that return fixture is going to be a different story. Yeah, definitely. She made her um debut on Sky at the weekend. So it was interesting hearing her analyzing things. I always like that with the WSL where and they're kind of doing it on the men's side with like some of the managers, not so much the players. But when you get current players on who are injured, talking about either their team or the teams that they're going up against. So obviously they're getting very up to date information about all their opponents all the time or they're playing alongside them in national teams. So I think it really does add to the coverage. Well, that is all the games that we had over the weekend. Um, big one coming up on Sunday is the Manchester Derby. And then you also have the Emma Byrne Derby with Brighton play in Arsenal. So have fun with that one <laughs> next Sunday. That's at two o'clock. But uh, Emma, as always, thank you for joining me and assessing this. And hopefully wherever Karen is, she um, she enjoyed a break from us for, for one evening. Uh, I hope she has that. Holy hangover from hell, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> the terror is descending. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can get us on Twitter at the Koi Gig Pod. As you heard earlier in the podcast, we love getting your questions in and I will always read them out. Um, 
to Emma and Karen so we can get their opinions. So please do keep them coming into us. Special thanks to Emma Carroll as well for her team of the week. And we will see you all again next week. The Koi Gig Pod on Off The Ball in association with Cadbury, official snack partner of the Republic of Ireland women's national team.